Can I manage client assets myself as an RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 78. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available. Uh, this entire series is available in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of resources to help you better understand the RIA model. Again, transitiontoria.com. Okay. On today's episode, we're talking about what would seem to be a fairly simple question with a simple answer. Hey, if if I'm an advisor, if I move into that RA model, can I manage client assets myself? The very short answer is yes. Um, but there is kind of some background that, that uh, prompted me to want to make an episode out of this. So two things to it. One is uh, why are why am I hearing advisors ask me this question? What are the circumstances? That, that is prompting advisors to, to ask me that question. And I do get asked that from time to time. Uh, and then there are some nuances. If you are going to manage client assets yourself, there are some nuances to it that I wanted to briefly touch on as well. Uh, so for some quick background on, on what is prompting this question to be asked, I'll give you two examples I come across from time to time with advisors um, that, that leads them to want to kind of get confirmation that, hey, if I were to make that move, could I manage the assets myself? Uh, these are not every potential example that, that this question might be relevant for, but I, but I think they'll help for, for uh, this the purposes of this episode. Uh, so the first one is, and these are these are real examples. Uh, so the first one is an advisor, uh, and, and I'll give you an example, one I, I talked to here more recently. Uh, I won't name the name of the firm, uh, but at a very large traditional W2 firm, well-known firm, and he part of his value proposition is the actual the investment management, the, the the managing of the assets. He feels that that is a big part of the value he provides to his clients is how he manages their assets. So he doesn't use, uh, as some advisors do, you know, a third party uh, solution like a maybe an SMA manager or various models. Um, for advisors that do do that, they typically uh, access those via some sort of TAMP solution. Uh, I've done a whole different episode on TAMPs and how that works. So if you're interested in that, take a look at that. Uh, but there are uh, a lot of advisors that say, yeah, I have no interest in a TAMP solution because a big part of my value proposition is to manage the assets myself. That was the case with, again, this most recent advisor I was speaking to. And his concern was, while he is allowed to do that now, and he, and he, and he does it on a discretionary basis, he feels that his firm, and he's kind of seeing some of the, maybe the internal pressures, that over time, he feels his firm will eventually require that all advisors use the firm's pre-built investment models. And the motivation the firm would have to do that, right, is because from a supervisory standpoint, that is easier for the firm if all of their advisors simply use the the half dozen or the dozen models that the firm themselves makes, uh, because then the firm doesn't need to worry about what an advisor is invested in any particular uh, client's account because they're all using the models. So we're not there yet. I don't know if we will reach there, but but I you can see where the motivations of firms are to continue 
in that direction. And for this particular advisor, that is a concern of his is that, okay, if that continues to happen and considering his value, one of his main parts of his value proposition to his clients is to manage the assets in the style that he prefers and he has communicated to his clients, that that, that will be essentially a fundamental risk to his practice. So, uh, and, and hence he's looking, okay, are there better paths for me, better paths for my practice, my clients, where I won't possibly be forced to do some sort of investment approach down the line that is that is different than than what I've been doing with my clients this whole time. Hence, he's exploring the RA model in that sense. And 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 again, that that is one of the reasons he's uh, obviously wanting to hear that the answer is yes in the RA model, and you won't have these constraints. And I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But from a motivation standpoint, why are people asking this just to be confirmed? Okay, if I do make that move, will I be able to manage the assets myself? not using a TAMP in the RIA space. So that's the first example. Uh, the second example, uh, as an advisor I talked to recently, again, W2, traditional broker-dealer firm, uh, not, not one of the giant ones, uh, more kind of mid-size, um, and, and they're arguably maybe a little more restrictive. So in this case, this advisor, even though he's been working for 10, 10 plus years in the industry, is not approved for discretion. So he cannot manage assets on a discretionary basis for his clients because his firm won't approve it. Sounds like they don't approve most people. And instead, again, no surprise, the firm says, oh, hey, you, you can't use discretion, but you can use these models with your clients that we, the firm, have built out. Uh, it will be interesting to see if that's a backdoor way that the fear of the first example I gave comes to fruition, that as opposed to forcing advisors into particular models. Do they just slowly start dialing back who uh, of, of the folks that have, that have been approved for discretion? Do they start dialing that back or making that more prohibitive to the point where the default easier path is just to simply use the models that they're trying to get you to use anyways? Uh, that will be interesting to follow over the coming years. Um, but in that second example, that that is the advisor's situation right now. He he cannot be or will they will not approve him for discretion, but they will gladly say, hey, you can use these models on your own. Uh, he does believe in the second advisor's case, he he does believe in using some third-party approaches, whether it's models or SMA managers, uh, but he wants the flexibility. So where it's appropriate, he does want to be able to manage the assets himself. And it's more, it's uh, more efficient and easier for him and the client if he can do that on a discretionary basis. Hence the question, if I were to move into the RA model, could I manage assets myself? So just a little background on what is prompting advisors to ask this question um, and, and to reflect on, I encourage you to reflect on, could you potentially find yourself in any one of these scenarios, whether uh, you don't have discretion now, you're trying to get it, or you have it, and could they find ways to dial that back as kind of a backdoor way to force you into firm-built models? Uh, time will tell. Uh, but but that is one of the big differences, right? Of the big, large firms, they have the ability to kind of uh, put those guardrails up and force you down a specific path. And there's way more flexibility in the RA model, as I as I talk to advisors about and, and how it would look for their practice. So that's a little background of what prompted me to make this episode. Um, so the short answer is yes, in the RA model. Yes, you can, particularly if it's your own RA, you can manage the assets for the most part, however it is you want to. Uh, 
and you, you don't have to worry about forced to use a TAMP or anything like that. You do have much more flexibility. And even if you join an existing RA, they are generally far more flexible than any of the large uh, W-2 traditional firms are in how they try to manage how it is their advisors are, are interacting or invest in their clients' funds. So a couple of variables to that I just wanted to go through quickly. Uh, so the first one is discretion. So uh, I, I did a, a separate episode on this if you want to dig deeper into the the, uh, the topic of discretion. But but the essentially the question here is, okay, yes, you can manage the assets, but can you, in the RA model, can you do it on a discretionary basis? And, and the short answer is yes. Now, uh, what a lot of people maybe don't realize is even in the RIA model, you might think, well, isn't everything discretionary? And, and the reality is most RIAs, most of the assets, if not all of the assets they manage are done on a discretionary basis. That is by far the standard practice uh, in the marketplace. However, if you don't know, it is possible in the RIA space to also have non-discretionary assets. And there's particular reasons that might be appropriate for a particular client uh, that, that you want to interact with them on a non-discretionary basis. Again, I did a whole separate episode on that if you want to dive deeper into that topic. Um, but just know that in the RIA space, it is possible to, uh, if you choose to, work with your client on a discretionary basis and, and or non-discretionary basis is up to you. But importantly, uh, if you have your own RIA, you don't have to get anyone's permission to act on a discretionary basis. Like if you're at one of the large firms now, you likely have to go through some process and be anointed uh, approval to act with discretion, which by the way, again, one day, do they dial that back? Do they try to take that away? In the RA space, that's up to you to, to decide. Um, but again, where appropriate, you might even elect to do some uh, some client accounts on a non-discretionary basis. Again, check out that episode if you want to dive deeper on that. Um, the next kind of uh, nuance is, is keep in mind, not only can you perhaps act with discretion if you want, you don't have to get permission, you, you get to decide how those assets are invested. So whether that's product type, whether it's mutual funds, ETFs, individual equities, and then of course, how it is invested. So there, with your own RA, you are responsible for making sure you, you're doing essentially prudent investments with your clients. Uh, as an example, your custodian has no responsibility or liability to as to how you as the RA manage the assets in the client's account. So your custodian absolutely will never come to you like your current firm might if you're at a large firm and say, we think you are a little too overweighted in technology stocks, or we think because of the age of the client, you should you should move more into fixed income or whatever constraints uh, your firm might put into place that says, hey, you've profiled an, the client as, as such in our system, and your investments have maybe moved out of that a little bit, which by the way, might be because of the market and, and you've wanted to be more defensive and move into cash, but all of a sudden, that new asset allocation doesn't match the conservative or the aggressive or whatever the, the profile of the client is in the system. And all of a sudden, your firm's telling you, you have to make a change either to the profile or you have to make a change to the investments or you have to make notes or whatever the case is. In the RA uh, model, your custodian is going to have none of that. They will never contact you about that. It is not their responsibility. It is not their liability as to how you invest the assets. So you will not have big brother looking over your shoulder telling you how you can or can't invest and what kind of 
solutions, whether it's mutual funds or ETFs or equities or fixed income, whatever it is you want to use, you are uh, unshackled from that uh, kind of big brother. Now, make no mistake, you as the RA still have responsibility to your client, of course, to provide prudent investments, and they will ultimately judge you on whether they think you're you're a good solution provider for them. Uh, and of course, you always have the regulators that can come in and make sure that how you're running your practice is appropriate, but even they won't get involved in whether uh, a 78-year-old widow should be invested in Facebook stock or whatever the case is. They stay out of that. That is the responsibility of your RIA to decide. Now, with that, the custodian will not have anything to do with that. That is correct. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that the that every that a custodian will make every investment product type available. So, kind of a extreme example that that could come up is, or, or let me back up. For the most part, custodians have make available you know the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of mutual funds out there. Uh, they make available most all the ETFs. You can trade most any individual equity that's available on a stock exchange. And, and you might think, well, hey, if it's uh, publicly traded, I I can trade it. I can do whatever I want. Again, it's no, no one's looking over my shoulder telling me how to how to do things or not. That doesn't necessarily mean the custodian has to make it available. So, like an extreme example, if there's some triple inverted natural gas ETF that was just started three months ago, there's a decent chance that your custodian. Will, has not made that available on their platform and might not make it available on their platform. So even though they don't have a responsibility to supervise how you invest the assets, there could still be some line drawn where they just say, hey, there's some of these products. We just don't want to have to get our hands around. We don't we don't want to have to have any sort of uh, kind of responsibility to, to, to keep track of them in, in case we're accused of something or whatever the case may be. So just know that it's it's not to say just because it exists, it will be available for you. The custodian still gets to decide what they will have on their platform. They don't decide what any individual RIA or financial advisor might use, but they can decide what's available on the platform. That availability, whether it's mutual funds, ETFs, whatever the case is, is generally always better than what you have available to you now if you're a large traditional broker-dealer firm. Uh, because of just the differences in the economics of how a custodian generates revenue versus a traditional firm. Uh, so just know that that availability will generally always be broader. You'll have access to more solutions, but it doesn't mean everything is necessarily available, although the, the excluded items will generally be a very small minority of what is available out in the marketplace. Nonetheless, it's worth uh, mentioning, so I just wanted to talk about it there. Uh, and then the final kind of... Uh, of these nuances is just keep in mind, uh, there's a couple of disclosures uh, that would have to be made if you're going to invest assets yourself. Um, you hear me talk a lot about that in the RA space. It's all about disclosures. And so, for example, in your ADV, if you have your own RIA, that would list out among, there's, a, there's an entire section that talks about your investment approach and how you go about decided on how investments are selected or or how the portfolios are traded. And so you do kind of have to list out a, you know, for lack of a better term, your, your kind of investment thesis uh, of how you choose to manage assets. So yes, you can manage the assets yourself, but you do detail, which is good. You, you, you're already verbalizing this to the client, maybe communicate in other ways, but the ADV is just one more place that has to be listed is, hey, yes, I do manage client assets myself. Here's my approach to how I do that. Uh, and then, of course, in your advisory agreement that you have with your client, 
Quick reminder, that's as an RIA, whether your own or you join an existing RIA, that's the, that's the agreement between the RIA and the client that says, hey, here's the services I'm going to provide as the advisor, uh, here's the value, and then here's what I'm going to charge uh, for that, for those services. Uh, and so part of that would designate back to that, is this, is this relationship on a discretionary basis or a non-discretionary? So yes, you might be managing client assets. But that advisor agreement would typically outline some of the, the variables involved of how you are doing that. So again, there's some disclosures as well, whether in the ADB or in the advisory agreement. Uh, and then the final point I wanted to leave you with today is to circle back to that example I, I, I talked about at the top of the episode where the advisor, where it's a big part of his value proposition of how he uh, invests client assets and his, his strategy for doing that. And the interesting challenge uh, that advisor has, not only the challenge I described where there's concern about his ability to do that being either dialed back or, or ultimately taken away from him with this current arrangement, is because that's a big part of his value proposition, he needs to be able to articulate that, particularly to prospective clients to say, hey, here's, here's the, the value I can provide for you. And it's this investment process and here's how I do it. And yet, because of the type of firm he's at, he's also limited in how he can market his services and how he can communicate all of that. So it's an interesting catch-22 that he is, one, has to be worried about, okay, is what he's doing going to be slowly dialed back, a death by a thousand cuts or, or whatever analogy you want to use by his firm, and maybe they take it away from him eventually. And then because that is something, that is what he does, that is his value proposition, and he can't even fully or easily communicate it to prospective clients, where of course, if he moved into the RA model, there's significantly more flexibility in how you market your services, how your business development efforts is, the types of ways you can reach out to prospective clients and articulate that value proposition. So that was, it was interesting because as we were talking, he was already, you know, verbally kind of the wheels were spinning in his head of, oh, wow, if I were to move into this RA model and and on my website, oh, how I could describe my my services and my investment style different than than the limited way I am able to do it now. And that that was refreshing to see, kind of a live example where someone the wheels start spinning, and they start realizing, wow, if I had that flexibility, this would be exciting because this is how I could how I could put it out there. And then it gave just just one example on the website, but there's all kinds of ways you could communicate that message uh, with much more flexibility in the RIA space. So. Uh, with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, and this is the type of conversation I have with advisors all day long is, is talking about just questions like this. Okay, hey, where am I at now? What are the pros and cons of what I have now? And how does the RIA model compare to it? And, and would it solve for some of those frustrations I have? And, and would the flexibility be better for me? Would the economics better be better for me? And out of fairness, we would also talk about the additional responsibilities you might have in the RA model that you might not have now. That again is a conversation I have all day long. Happy to have that conversation with you uh, as well. Uh, like I said, the, the, the first thing to do at the top of the show, I said, is head to transitiontoria.com. Again, you can find all of the resources I make available, the video series, podcast series, articles, white papers. And then at the top of every page is a contact link. 
you click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. Uh, whether you want to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA related, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Again, transition to RIA.com. With that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.